Hello and welcome to the Essential B2B podcast, brought to you as ever by Lead Forensics. I am your host, Joe Ducaro. This episode is the audio taken from our webinar we ran recently called Disrupt or Be Disrupted, AI in Marketing. Are you ready? For this, I was joined by Tom Edwards, Director at Archetype, for a conversation all around the hot topic of AI in marketing. AI has fascinated me these past few months, so I couldn't wait to talk to Tom all about it. So, without further ado, here is my conversation with Tom Edwards on AI. What are some of the key key ways that AI can help marketers improve their targeting and segmentation strategies? Do you think? I mean, there are so many ways, and I think we're only just sort of starting to scratch the surface now, really. I mean, you'll have seen, I'm sure, as I have, all of the different tools that are kind of springing up, um, that are building on the GPT-4 API. Um, I mean, for me, the, the, the big one is is just ideas and inspiration. It's a great creative partner and um, you can, you know, use it as a kind of brainstorming tool in a way that I think we've, you know, in a way that we've never had before. Um, so there's, there's that. I think the other thing that's really powerful is just um, the volume that you're able to achieve now. So with things like A-B testing, you can just get assets, creative copy for a massive range of different um, verticals and segments in a fraction of the time. So it's it's like you're just able to test and learn at a much greater pace with, you know, the same amount of people. So like there, there are a few different things. The big two for me, I think, are the ideas and inspiration, getting creative, getting new ideas, and then building on those with humans uh, and kind of figuring out the, the way forward. But then, yeah, just the volume with testing. Um, I think, you know, if we don't have um, a huge degree of integration with the platforms yet, uh, that's not to say that that won't happen, and I'm sure it will, but it's, it's, it's really all about that volume, getting the different um, segments built in, in a fraction of the time. Um, and I guess, I guess one other thing just to probably call out is, is obviously chatbots. So, you know, you can have much more engaged conversations with, with prospects. Um, and I think that the degree to which they, the data that you get out of the back end of those chatbots is going to be really powerful, is, is going to grow a lot over time, um, yeah. my hunch. I, just something you, you touched on in the, the first part of your answer is the creative side of things. And that's something I want to, to pick your brains on because. I wonder if if we have um, programs like if we have ChatGPT and things like Midjourney, which can generate images through AI, does that pose some sort of risk to the creative teams in marketing, or is it more of a collaboration? Do you think it's all? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I, like, I think it does pose a risk to 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 some people. Um, clearly, I mean, there have been stories about uh, you know game gaming developers who've basically been replaced by mm. Stable Diffusion or Midjourney. Uh, but I mean, it seems to me anyway, like it's, it's much more of a creative partner. Humans are still very much in the loop. Uh, you know, where we'll go in future, who knows? But right now it seems like it's essentially turbocharging the creativity of people who are already pretty creative. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's my hunch. It's the speed at which you can iterate on your creative ideas has just been accelerated so much so you can test so many more theories so much more quickly uh you know i mean i use mid journey a lot i use it for you know thumbnails and for you know just dropping 
ideas to, to, to kind of visualize what's in my head. So, you know, whereas I might have had a conversation uh, with someone that would take me kind of 15 minutes to describe what I'm talking about with like a whiteboard, you know, like drawing diagrams or whatever, um, you can just, you, you can iterate over your thoughts so much quicker in, in, in mid journey and throw ideas out there. And then that kind of ties back to what I was saying about, you know, testing and learning. You can throw lots of different visual ideas out there as well and test them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it seems to me so far that it's, it's a, it's, it's like a putting a, a turbo charger on your creative engine. If that's not too, too strained of a, of a metaphor, um, I think it really speeds things up and, and it gives you far, far more options, but yeah, look, it, that's not to say that there's no risk. I think the, the, the big risk is, is in the size of teams. So there are lots of people that, you know, like that the, there's risk for, you know, like designers, um, and people who are actually implementing these things, you know, video editors, that kind of stuff. Um, but in, you know, what you might find is all of those people who were just doing quite repetitive design tasks will now go away and create their own stuff. Um, and that, that's the, the dream scenario. I think is that they can finally execute on all the creative ideas that have been bubbling away in, in their own heads. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, you know, I'm naturally an optimist. Um, and I think it, it feels like a very exciting time. Uh, but yeah, it's also moving incredibly fast. So who knows where we'll be this time next year. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's so difficult to, to call, I think. <laughs> I mean, what do you think? Yeah, well, absolutely. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, just to, to that point, I mean, if you look back at a year ago, I'm not sure if any of us could have thought, well, you know, in a few months, I will be using these sorts of things that, and I think it is on that, that piece of the, the ideas creation, the brainstorming, it's almost like having a, a like you said, a creative partnership with someone, you just get right, bounce some ideas for this blog post or for this piece of content I need to make or whatever. So you know. yeah, I, I, I do hope it retains some of it, some of the humanity, but you'll, I think you make a good point in, you know, the size of teams perhaps being affected there. Um, yeah, so yeah. Then, I mean, that is, that's the risk I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, as an individual, as a, you know, as a, as a content creator and as someone who, you know, produces ideas for you know, for clients, for marketing, um, it's, you, you can just produce so much more. Um, mm. and, and, you know, you know, you, you like, I, I used to use, I don't know if you've ever done this for creative ideas, but I used to use like random word generators to like, uh -huh. so I'd get like 10 random words and then see what, you know, which ones spark a, a creative idea, you know, and, uh, and then just keep doing that until I get like five that I think are half decent then take them to some, some other humans and then kind of, you know, iterate over them. Like now you can just, you can ask for 10 pretty fully formed creative ideas and then, you know, go away and a, you know, get, get kind of test imagery for each of them out of mid journey. Um, and then take all of that and start iterating over that with other humans. So like, yeah, it's just a, a, a step change in, in, in speed and volume that's, that's you know, it's, we're only just now getting to grips with, with the, the, um, the possibilities, I think. And it, it also seems like, yeah, I'm sure you'll feel the same way as me, that there's just news coming out every day, like that's mm. just changing things again and again. Um, so yeah, like it's, it's, it's a, it's a very exciting time, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. An incredible time to be in these industries, look, being able to see, you know, how, how people are using it and everything. So. To that end, then, if um, if one of the key points you were mentioning earlier, Tom, was the the volume of things, and 
if I've learned anything in my, my time doing these webinars and podcasts for forensics, it's that people buy from people and approaching customers with a personalized approach is essential. So to that end, how can you use AI if you with the through the prism of, you know, it, it can do huge volume. How can you retain that personalization with AI for a customer experience? Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> uh, like, um, I think that I'd almost come at that from the other, the other way, which is that we're now seeing such a, like, even now a huge volume of, of, of AI generated content coming out. Like my own inbox is, is, is full of what are clearly AI written emails. Um, mm. and I, I think you can still tell, um, the human written ones. And I think that we will start to have a, you know, increasingly more of a premium on that, that human element, because even if the humans aren't writing every single word of it, which I think probably, you know, if not now, then soon, those days will be gone of just mm. writing a whole, a whole outreach note yourself or whatever, but the human editor is still going to be crucial. And I think like the reason for that is that like GPT will, will do whatever you ask it to, but there's so much nuance that you're not even aware that, you know, when you're creating copy, you know, when you're writing copy, that it's almost getting it all down into a prompt perfectly takes like the same amount of thinking time as it would do to write it yourself. You know, you get to a point where there's like, there's so much uh, context and nuance and, and, you know, uh, specific elements that you want to include that if you're writing it all into a prompt, you might as well just write it yourself. And so like, I think what we're going to you know, certainly the way that, um, I think that this will develop is that you will get, people will get, you know, a, a kind of generic piece of copy with a fairly lazily written prompt, and then the human edit will be the real crucial factor and where the real sort of value add is as a marketer and where you notice the difference on the other end. So as a customer, you, we're being, we're now being, and will continue to be bombarded with, with, um, sort of generic salesy AI generated content, which has been created by a fairly lazily written prompt. And you can tell, and there's not really any real difference between that and lazy sales copywriting done by a human, <laughs> right? Like the, the difference is the amount of time that you spend figuring it out and, you know, working with your other stakeholders in the business or with your clients or, you know, or speaking to customers, whatever, all of those different things, you're still processing those yourself as a human and you're still making decisions as a human. So again, it, it comes back to that same point. You're essentially just turbocharging your process. Um, but yeah, I, I think that we can, will, and should continue to have the humans in the loop very much so, but perhaps more as an editor than a, than a copywriter going forward would be my hunch. Um, I think that's the, that's the key, isn't it? Is ensuring that there is still the room for collaboration because I, I heard someone say about AI, what it does brilliantly is that it, in the same way that a parrot, you know, it can say, I want a cracker. It doesn't know <laughs> that the meaning of those words are, I would like you to provide me with something to eat so I can, you know, get the energy and feel nice and warm and fluffy inside, you know? So it's like, it, it does mimicry, doesn't it? Rather than actually generating something that, you know, yeah, it does. It, I mean, there's a big conversation about to what degree large language models are actually doing reasoning versus just predicting what the next word is. 
Uh, and I, like, you know, when you use it, it does become freaky sometimes where you, you, you start having a conversation with it <laughs> as if it's like a freelance copywriter saying, okay, can you do that again, but just make it a bit more, you know, uh, formal or whatever. And then inevitably you end up, um, you know, rewriting the bits yourself, the bits, that, you know, the bits that you're struggling to explain to the prompt, you end up, uh, doing yourself, I think. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think that analogy that you've drawn actually kind of highlights another point, which is that. The, degree, the, the level of context in, in, in the things that we say that we implicitly understand as humans that, you know, you can't necessarily convey in a prompt because you don't know that you know it, you know, mm. there's a lot of knowledge when you're, when you're trying to, uh, you know, iterate over a message, a, a, you know, a piece of copy or, or an image or, you know, whatever it may be, you're aware of context and nuance when you're writing that you almost don't know, you know. Uh, and, and so that, you know, give me a cracker or, you know, whatever the parrot says, there's lots of context, right? There's uh, the, the parrot knows that it's hungry and it knows that it likes crackers. And, uh, you know, it knows that if it says this thing, you're going to give it a particular kind of cracker, whatever, you know, <laughs> we're, we're pro probably straining that analogy a little bit by this stage, but you understand what I mean? Like there's a lot there. Um, and, you know, coming back to the point that you're making about human to human, um, you know, that, that, that human touch. You know, you have that with, uh, as you get further down the funnel with like, you know, you might have video content or you might have, you know, once you get salespeople involved and there's actual meetings happening, there's so much context that goes into a human to human interaction that you can't get just through chat GPT spitting out copy that it thinks is going to, you know, be highly engaging. Um, so, so yeah, like it's, it's very much augmenting what we're doing as, as people. Um, and look, who knows where we'll get to, you know, like it's, it's already shocked everybody how good it is now, you know, like there's nothing to say that in five, 10 years time, it won't be indistinguishable in, in pretty much every way. Right. Uh, and then we've got a, a different conversation to have, which is, you know, why are we here? What are we doing? Like, is there any point in business? Uh, you know, should we just let the AIs run the world, uh, <laughs> get Start get a better job of it than we will, um. But we're not there. We're not there yet. So yeah, I definitely think that there's, there's plenty of reasons for humans to be in the loop um, in marketing, as with you know all of the other areas of business that that this is disrupting. I think. But I'm pleased that so far, Tom, we're not quite in Blade Runner territory just yet. But perhaps <laughs> yeah. in five, ten years' time, maybe we do this conversation again. It's not even us. It's AI versions of us right. doing this. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, so have you seen? Um, have you seen uh, Karen AI? story uh there's a i mean this is going a bit over oh, bell topic, actually yeah, yeah but it's a, a snapchat influencer called karen marjorie who has created an ai version of herself um and she's she's charging for uh like a, a dollar a minute i think to um to talk to her um you know it's like uh, and it's they've kind of programmed in all of the um you know well i mean i, I haven't actually used it but they say that they're kind of you know replicated all of her quirks or whatever. Um, and, and yeah, and look, she's, she made like a hundred thousand dollars in a week. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's going to be quite uncanny, but yeah. that's very zeitgeisty, I suppose, isn't it? So, yeah, it's zeitgeisty and it's also scary. And I think in that context, it's, it, context is worrying. I think it's, you mm. know, there's a, there's a degree to which it could be, you know, potentially preying on, on, on loneliness, but, um, but yeah, look, you can see how that would be adapted and, and, uh, and used in a, in a business context in a, you know, in a really potentially quite exciting way, you know, you could see how having your 
you know, your thought leaders, uh, your salespeople, your CEO or whatever, um, like getting, getting, getting AI versions of them and then creating customized messages for all of your different, um, you know, verticals or targeting segments. And so your best, most engaging person is then talking directly to all of your different target audiences. Um, and you know, at, at with a whole bunch of different messages that you're AB testing at the same time, using this avatar of, of your, of your CEO or, or top sales person or whatever. So like, yeah, there, there are lots of applications that, that we haven't even, um, that we haven't even got to yet, but, but yeah, hopefully it'll still be you and me chatting. Maybe we'll do a, a conversation between us two and then another one between the AI avatars and then see which one <laughs> get, gets more listens. Um, that's actually not a bad job. Yeah, let's do that. Um, yeah. I mean, we 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 started to get into the realms of slightly um, uh, the the sort of the ethical implications of using AI. I mean, in that the context of the the social media influencer, and you know, is would it be ethical if it's preying on loners, that sort of thing? What are some of the ethical considerations that marketers have to keep in mind when implementing AI? Well, I, I think the big one is is IP like in the broadest possible sense. Um, so, you know, but firstly, from the fact that these large language models and the, you know, the, the image generative AI for images, mid journey, stable diffusion, they're all trained on information that a human has created, right? Like we don't live in a world of AI created information yet. So they've all been trained on something and there are already court cases. So I think Getty images have, have um, uh, started a court case against stable diffusion. There are a few others where they're sort of saying, look, this is the images that you're using to, to create, to, to train these models, uh, have, you know, are from, from us that, that there are intellectual property you owe us. And so you might get to a position in future where, um, like they, you know, I, I don't know how likely this is, but where any business that's been using, uh, content created by, um, stable diffusion or mid journey or whatever it may be, is then subject to having to pay, get the images and licensing for, um, the training data that's been used to, to make that model. So I think there's a big risk there. Um, I think there's also, you know, as a, as a, as a, as a marketer, um, you know, IP in the sense of your own IP as a, as an agency or as a business, um, you know, it, you, as we were saying, adding that human touch, having a human in the loop, having a, a an editor, um, is, is vitally important. And if you get to a stage where it is just all, um, uh, AI generated content, you know, there, there then becomes a question over what, what value you're adding, what your actual models as a business are and, and, and all of this sort of stuff. So there are a lot of risks and because these is moving so fast, these court cases haven't played out yet. So we don't know what the results of them are going to be, but like you see it in some of these, you know, you see like, um, some of the video that's been, that's been created, like there was a, a Will Smith eating spaghetti noodles or something. Have you seen that? I, I um, don't think I've seen that one. You've not seen <laughs> it. Okay. So like there's a bunch of them, but they've got like the Shutterstock watermark on them, right? Because oh, they're, yeah. um, because all of the images that they've been trained on have got Shutterstock watermarks on because it's, it's public, you know, they haven't had access to Shutterstock's proprietary data set. They've just skimmed it off the web. And all of the versions on the web are watermarked. Um, so like, you know, that shows you the degree to which, um, proprietary data has been used to train these things. Uh, and so, so yeah, I, I think there is, there is risk. 
I use AI and, you know, I recommend this to, to anyone I work with as inspiration, but, but not, you know, not the final product. There should always be a human editor. And then if, if you are creating or selling, you know, design content, I think you need, you know, designers doing it. You need to still create new stuff. Um, if it's just regurgitated stuff that's, that's already existed, you know, it's gonna, we're gonna live in this recursive world where we're just, you know, rehashing old ideas. So, so yeah, the, there is a risk taking the human out of the loop entirely, I think, um, which is why, you know, it's another reason why the humans still very much are in the loop because otherwise it, it, it could potentially just run away from you, um, uh, and you could end up getting in trouble. So, so yeah, I, I think that idea of, of IP and proprietary data is going to become increasingly important. Um, it's also going to become important on the, on the training side, you know, so like, uh, using big data sets, like, you know, Twitter have, 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 have ramped up the amount they charge for API access or like, you know, the Google have obviously got access to a huge raft of data, um, from YouTube as well as, you know, Google, um, and that's all going to be used to train the next fast language models. And so having that pool of data is also going to be really important. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, oh, it's just, it's mind boggling, isn't it? It's just, I, I love talking about AI because it's just so bonkers that the routes you can go down. But uh, have you seen any, um, can you give any examples of AI powered? I mean, you say you use AI in, you know, quite a lot of your, the stuff you do. Have you seen any examples of successful AI powered marketing campaigns at all? Yeah. Well, I mean, the big one is the, the Coca-Cola ad. I don't know if you've seen it, um, made by, uh, it's, it's like a, a guy in an art gallery and the Coke bottle goes around all of these artworks. Um, and they're all brought to life through generative AI. Uh, and it's, it's really amazing. It's a, it's a great ad. Um, so I, yeah, I'd recommend anyone, uh, check it out. I think, I mean, there've also been some funny ones. So I don't know if you saw the, uh, the beer commercial. Um, yes, I was going to talk to you about this because that's the one. Yeah, it's like a, yeah. a beer at barbecue thing. Is that the one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my so, God. <laughs> a, a beer at barbecue that then becomes a kind of spinning, twirling inferno in the sky. Um, yeah, weird. Very, very weird. Um, but yeah, so I mean, there's, there's big ticket stuff like that. I think generally, like the 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 the, the it's difficult to kind of identify particular campaigns because most of the time you don't know that people are using it, right? So people are implementing, uh, an AI driven, you know, segmentation strategy, as we were talking about before building out variations, testing and learning, you wouldn't necessarily see that, um, at the, at the customer end. So I think, you know, m most digital marketers will be dipping their toes in the water with this kind of stuff. And I think that it's actually being implemented in far more marketing campaigns than probably anybody realizes, I think there's, mm. yeah, there, there's going to be a lot of that, but yeah, at the high end, I think the Coke, the Coke advert's the best one I've seen. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, you know, it's only going to increase. We're going to see more and more and more of them. Um, things are going to get pretty wild. I think. Yeah, definitely. With the adoption of any sort of new technology, there's a few sort of fits and starts, isn't there? But I, I really cannot, I've not seen the Coke advert. I will check this out after we've uh, finished recording, but I cannot recommend enough you go and check out this beer advert because it is pure nightmare fuel. <laughs> it's terrifying. <laughs> it's just, it's very strange. Like weirdly, you can see, you can kind of see the thinking behind a lot of it though. There's logic to why they've put so many like massive Cheshire cat grins in it because that's, yeah, you know, yeah. 
every other campaign, oh, yeah, having a lovely time at this barbecue or whatever. Yeah. It is genuinely scary. Totally. I, the thing that gets me on that beer one is the way that they drink, the way that they're sort of sucking on these like amorphous <laughs> blobs of, of like pseudo beer can. It's it, like, it's just <laughs> freaky. It's like the Uncanny Valley. You know, they look similar, similar enough to, to real, to, to kind of convince your brain that there's something there, but nowhere near real enough. Um, to, to be real. And so you're just kind of constantly looking at it going, do I recognize that shape? I don't know if it, I don't know if that's a can or if it's a ball or a person, you know, like, yeah, very, very, um, weird to watch, but you can, you can, you can really see where it's going to get to, you know, like I remember when these were these, you know, the large language models were coming out or, you know, the first iterations of testing on them were coming out, like, I don't know, maybe five years ago. Um, maybe more, but they would write poems that would be almost good, but just weird and didn't make sense, you know, like, and, and you can kind of see the same thing now with, um, with the video. It's like, it's almost good, but it's weird and it doesn't make any sense, you know, uh, like, the, like you can, you can like the fire that like you mentioned that, um, the, the fire, you can see how it's got there. You know, you can see that because fires are, are weird and they kind of flicker in unpredictable ways, it's just sort of recursively thought that the fire will go on forever and mm. then it just goes all the way into the sky. Um, you know, it's the same thing with fingers. Like there was, you know, Mid Journey had this issue with fingers for a long time that everybody was talking about. It couldn't understand hands. Um, and, you know, they all had like seven fingers or whatever. And you can see why, you know, it's because every finger is usually seen in relation to other fingers. And so that's how it's understanding mm. what's going on. Um, and so, you know, like they're clearly over time programming workarounds and solutions to that. So you're definitely going to get that in video as well. So to move away from the sort of the, the creative side of things, then to go back to data, um, just very briefly, Tom, how can marketers ensure that the data they're feeding into AI systems is high quality and unbiased? Yeah. I mean, like, I think most marketers probably aren't aren't training their own AI, uh, you know, I mean, there will be, there will be some, but for the most part, as, as far as I can tell anyway, they're either using, you know, one of the big large language models, Google's Bard or, or ChatGPT, and then plugins that have been built on top of that. Um, and so like, I, I don't think the data you're feeding them on is a, is a, is a huge issue at the moment, although obviously, you know, bias in general is a, a, a very difficult issue and very sort of subjective. And I suspect the, the, the way to eliminate it, eliminate it is, is the same way that we've kind of always talked about elimination bias, which is just, you know, cleaning the data, you know, good data in, good data out. Um, but yeah, for, for the most part, it's, it's the way that we're talking about bias in, in, in AI at the moment is in chat GPT, right. And, and that's been, that's already been trained, uh, on, on a, a whole load of data that that kind of has a, has an endpoint. Um, although now it can browse the web, so that's starting to change, but, but yeah, so, you know, most, most marketers, myself included, haven't, haven't seen the data that's gone into to training it, but I think, yeah, it, it, in general, um, removing bias from any data that you are putting in is in the same way that you would have done it before AI, uh, it's, it's just, you know, clean data essentially would be my view. Okay, joking then. So then, I mean, to sort of, to start to bring the, this conversation to a slight close, how do you see, I mean, 
we, I, I know we've said previously in this, like, we're not sure, but, you know, we couldn't have really seen where we were a year ahead. But I'm going to ask yeah. you this question anyway, Tom, because I'm, I just want to pick your brains on it. How do you see AI transforming marketing in the next five to 10 years, maybe even just a year ahead? What do you think is coming from AI? What, what, how can we stay ahead of the curve on that, do you think? I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a massive question. Um, but like, I, I think what you will start to, like one of the big ones in, in my view is, um, is SEO. Like you're already starting to see huge amounts of SEO copy written by, um, by AI. I was talking to a, 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 a friend who's a head of marketing at a tech startup. He was saying that he's, he's been using, um, I can't remember what platform it was. I think it was Jasper, um, to write SEO, uh, you know, copy for him, get, you know, gen general SEO copy, um, that would have taken a whole team of people, you know, weeks. And he's, he's basically done it all in a week on his own. Um, so like all of like the, the content of the internet is increasingly going to be written by AIs. Um, and so the thing that humans will still do is make the decisions, right. And, 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 and set the direction and probably still, you know, come up with the ideas or certainly make the decisions on which ideas make the car. So that's, that, that's where the human, you know, the executive power, um, will remain with humans. And what you'll just see is a lot of noise. So, you know, it kind of relates back to what we were talking about earlier, keeping, maintaining that, that human connection. I think that's the best way. Um, and I, I also think that if you can become within your organization, the translator between the humans and the AIs, you'll be in a powerful position because although yes, it's very easy to talk to chat GPT, there's actually, you know, thousands of tools out there that people are building on the, um, GPT four API. And so it's not just about talking to the chat GPT prompt bar anymore. It's about which different tool that's been built on this should I be using for my particular function, which one mm. is you know, best, which one, uh, you know, has the different functionalities that I need. Um, and there are lots of people who, you know, I know clearly you and I are really interested in this stuff and we're probably, you know, keeping up to date with all of the different, you know, um, like different plugins that are being released, different products that are being built, all of that stuff. A lot of people aren't. Um, I think most people in business realize that AI is coming and it's going to be very disruptive, but they're not necessarily following every single piece of news that comes out about it. So if you are, if you have a genuine interest in this stuff, I think keeping on top of it, getting to grips with prompt engineering, right. And, you know, I know they say that prompt engineering is a, a, a job title. Now I think anyone could be a prompt engineer. It's not like you have to learn code. Uh, you just have to get very good at being very specific about what it is that you want and understand that human nuance, start understanding the things that are in your head that you don't know are there. Uh, and if you can do that effectively, I think you will be a very useful person in your organization, not just because you're going to be hugely productive and turning out loads and loads of work, uh, but also you're going to be able to, um, train, help and, um, support other people who aren't as in the, in the weeds on it. Um, I mean, also one other thing that I'd add to that is that you can use AI to teach you how to do loads of other stuff. I've been, um, you know, learning, uh, well, not learning, uh, getting back into the Adobe suite. So I've been working with Premiere Pro and, and, and Photoshop a lot more recently and, um, just, you know, for fun more than anything as a side hustle, but, um, it's, it's so much easier to figure out how to do the thing you don't know how to do 
now than it ever was before. Like I remember when I first learned Photoshop, spending half of my time scouring Google to find the right blog or the right video to teach me how to do the specific little thing that I want to do. And then I'd have to end up watching three and piecing together precise function that I want because no one's addressed the exact specific issue that I need. Now I can ask chat GPT and it'll tell me exactly what it is I need to do. And if it gets it wrong, or if I'm on a different version, often the, the version that you're on is, is a, is a, is a problem. So the, the video that you watch on YouTube might be for a previous version of premiere. And so you're on a newer version and what they're telling you to do doesn't work anymore. You can, you can just say to chat GPT, no, <laughs> that's wrong. Try again, or I'm on this version of Premiere. Try again, or I can't see that button. What am I doing wrong? And and it'll tell you. Uh, so like you can, you know, if you're so inclined. Uh, and I, sus I suspect most people have have better things to do with their free time than uh, me <laughs> sitting sitting around on a Saturday morning talking to a to an AI. But here we are. Um, if if you're so inclined with your spare time, you can really learn a lot of new stuff. You can become a video editor, you can become a designer, um, and you've got a co-pilot there that will help you with all of those functions that, that you didn't know how to use. So, so yeah, look, I, I don't know if that's a, 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 an especially great answer to your question, but yeah, the answer is it's, it's the possibilities are massive. Um, and I, I would recommend, yeah, just any marketer who isn't getting really quickly up to speed with um, large language models and, um, you know, image generation is going to find themselves behind the curve. Whereas if you get ahead of it, you, you can really put yourself in a, in a powerful position. Yeah. It's ever so slightly future proof yourself, don't you, by becoming sort of your, if you can be the in-office expert on it or, you know. Yeah, I think like so. That. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, like that, that will remain the case until. You know, we all get, <laughs> get replaced by, <laughs> we'll get by the AI. Um, but yeah, exactly. You know, you, you, if, if you, if you know, like I've, the, the one thing that I kind of fall back on with, with this is, is come, comes back to what I was saying about proprietary data and IP and the fact that, you know, it's not in Google's interest to let chat GPT talk to like Google ads, let's say. Um, and it's also not in LinkedIn's interest owned by Microsoft who also own OpenAI. It's not in LinkedIn's interest to let, uh, Bard talk to LinkedIn and deliver ads on LinkedIn. Um, and so I think you will continue due to, you know, capitalism and competition, you, you won't get a big convergence into one prompt that you can talk to, to do everything. I think you, you, you will more likely get through, um, through that competition just a whole host of different tools and different businesses that are trying to win. And in the middle of all of that chaos, there is still space for consultancy of a person who is up to speed with all of this stuff because people won't know what AI to go to, to ask, right? Because they're, they're going to become increasingly, um, you know, reliant on their own data sets and they're going to become increasingly uh, reluctant to, um, share functionality between each other. Um, having a human being who can, who can arise on, on what's best suited, I think is still going to be a very relevant, uh, job for, for quite a long time. Um, so, so yeah, like that there is a, a huge amount of opportunity for, for any marketer, I think. Yeah. We're remaining optimistic, which is always yes, good. Very much, so, very much so. Uh, so 
Tom, you've offered up a lot of insight into AI and I've really, really enjoyed this conversation. And I really related to your, your comments on Premiere Pro. But um, <laughs> if there was one key takeaway that people, when thinking about using AI in marketing, what would take away from our conversation today, what is that golden piece of advice you'd like to offer them? I think just, um, just get stuck in and play. And, you know, like, like you've, you've got a sprint, I think, uh, because it's, it's happening so fast that if you're not sprinting, you'll, you'll, you will get left behind within a few years, I think. So my advice, and you know, this is what I think I'm sort of trying to do is just is, is running to keep up, um, all the time. So just dive in, like pay for chat GPT, use it every day, look at the plugins, find out how other people are using it. Um, and, uh, and, and experiment. Because, you know, it's, it's, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. And the opportunity is massive. Um, so yeah, that would be my, my final thought. Fantastic stuff. Tom, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. Did you want to just let everybody know where they can keep up to date with you, Tom? Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, so you can find me on YouTube, um, Tom Edwards tech news, uh, I'm on Twitter at Tom Edwards, uh, and you find me on LinkedIn, uh, I'm sure will be, will be linked on this post. It's, uh, slash Tom Edwards 100. Fantastic stuff. Tom Edwards, thank you so much for joining me for this webinar all about AI. Thank you everybody for watching. Do keep an eye out on Lee Forensic social channels for news of our next webinar, and we will see you again very, very soon. Thanks very much. Well, there you go, Tom Edwards on applying AI in marketing. Here are our key takeaways. Embrace large language models and image generation. Stay ahead of the curve by learning about large language models and image generation technologies to leverage their power in marketing strategies. Ensure high quality and unbiased data for AI systems. Clean and pre-process data following standard practices to eliminate bias and ensure the accuracy and fairness of AI systems used in marketing. Become a translator between humans and AI tools. Understand the functionalities of AI tools and act as a bridge between the technology and others in your team, helping them navigate the AI landscape effectively. Dive in, experiment and sprint with AI development. Keep up with the fast pace of AI development by actively exploring and experimenting with new AI tools and techniques in marketing campaigns. Collaborate with AI tools as creative partners. Use AI tools such as GPT-4 API for ideas, inspiration, and faster iteration of creative concepts. Treat them as creative partners rather than replacements for human creativity. Thank you to Tom for joining me and thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe to the Essential B2B podcast and rate us five stars where possible. We'll be back next week with another excellent edition of Essential B2B. Essential B2B.